0: Good everyone. Welcome back to the Bucks Film Room podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sampson, and you can find me on Twitter at Bucks Film Room. I write about the Milwaukee Bucks for Brew Hoop and also for Forbes Sports. Well, it's been a while since we've done one of these. I had one all dialed up right before the draft, but unfortunately it fell through because the Bucks made a trade, so it didn't really make much sense for me to post that. Um, it was mostly focused on the draft, so now we're back here. It's been inconsistent. It's been a while, but I'm definitely glad to be back, and I'm definitely excited here to do this podcast. Uh, you can find the Bucks Film Room podcast on iTunes, iTunes, Spotify and wherever else you listen to podcasts just search for the for Brew Hoop, the Brew Hoop podcast and you'll find this one in that same feed. It's really, you know, some good content that we have coming at you. Make sure to check out the website on brewhoop.com as well. I'm also proud to announce a new partnership that I have with Beball Index. You can subscribe to their data and tools package that includes 21 spreadsheets, including player grades for every single player, and of course, that means all the Milwaukee Bucks. You can compare player versus player, year versus year, and then even across different positions. You can also use another tool, which is their free agency hub, to see if someone like Chris Middleton or Eric Bledsoe will return positive or negative value over the life of their contract extensions. It's really great for fans, and it's certainly a lot of fun. Again, that's on B-Ball Index, and it's only $5 a month to subscribe, and you can get 15% off by using the coupon code Room. Just go to bball-index.com and you can subscribe to their data and tools package for only $5 a month and then you enter in the promo code BUCKSFILMROOM which is all lowercase and all one word and you'll get 15% off I use these tools when I'm making videos, when I'm recording podcasts when I'm writing articles and you'll definitely see some of these player grades in this episode and in future podcasts as well so definitely make sure to check that out at bballindex.com Now into the meat and potatoes of the show, and considering it's a dead season in the NBA, I'm going to take some time breaking down one player for each podcast, so we'll just focus on that player's strengths, that player's weaknesses, Uh, we'll talk about their ceiling, we'll talk about their floor for the upcoming season, You know, we'll really just try to hit on a little bit of everything, give you guys this full picture, not just focus on the good and the bad, we'll do it all. We'll do it all together. We'll throw in some analytics. Of course, it'll be based on what I've seen on film as well. It'll really be a good time. I'm really feeling good about this one. I got a good haircut from my barber, a.k.a. my roommate, a.k.a. my wife. So I'm feeling fresh. I got this good to go, trimmed up the beard a little bit. I'm ready for this, and I need to be ready. We need to be ready because we start this out with a somewhat controversial controversial player in dj wilson he is speaking about dj is probably one of the most maybe beloved players bucks players on twitter uh you can check out i wrote a three Bs article about dj wilson on brew hoop back on june 25th and so make sure to check that out just gives you a little bit of some background information on DJ as well. And I know there's a lot of love for DJ Wilson out there. I'm not one of those guys that had the free DJ avatar on Twitter or whatever. I'm not a Wilson hater. I'm just a Wilson realist, so I just want to lead with that disclaimer as far as what to expect here. I thought about, and I almost had some different perspectives on this podcast, especially considering how all over the place people are about DJ Wilson, but ultimately I just decided I'll just keep it myself um, and we will I'll just try to give you a full perspective and I'll try to maybe dip into what other people see in him and why other people really like him as well so dj just finished his second season in the nba and like i said he's somewhat of a rallying cry for bucks fans so in this second season he averaged 5.8 points per game he averaged 4.6 rebounds and 1.1 assists this came in appearing in 48 games and he started 3 of them and he averaged 18.4 minutes per game so 48 may not seem like a lot, but that's more than double the 22 games that he played in his rookie season. And... It really came out of nowhere, because in his rookie season, he just looked like complete trash, like he didn't belong. You know, he's picked with the 17th selection in that 2017 NBA draft, and after his rookie year, people were already thinking, I mean, after the pick, people are already questioning it, but then especially questioning it after his rookie year. Now, he kind of came out of nowhere, and people who were ripping on the bucks for picking up the team option for Wilson's third year. Now people really like this deal. I'm not saying it's the same people, but I'm just saying that a lot of people were questioning when Milwaukee picked up his third year team option, but now people are questioning Milwaukee for not playing him, and that really changes that quick. So that's some pretty impressive stuff that he did and some pretty limited work this past season. I won't I won't lie to you there. Uh, his on-off stats were not that impressive. The Bucks were... 4.8 points per 100 possessions worse when Wilson was on the floor. Of course, I got to let you know there's a disclaimer there. There's a lot of moving pieces when we're talking about on-off stats. And that on-off stat is courtesy of Cleaning the Glass, which I will use a lot of their stats throughout this podcast. Um, so there's a lot of moving parts when it comes to on-off stats. And that minus 4.8 points per 100 possessions, that's not a good place for him to be in. The offense was minus 4.3 points worse, not very good. Um his expected win, so how many games would the Bucks win in 82 game season with his differential minus 9? So he didn't help them win many games according to this metric. But of course that's just one piece of the puzzle. It's not everything. So just kind of keep that in mind is his on-off stats were not very helpful to him. Um, he he got a lot of inconsistent playing time last year as well. He really only saw the court when there were injuries or rest things like that specifically like when ursan missed that chunk of time that was kind of the first time that we saw dj come into play and really start to make a name for himself and he's playing really well um i want to say that was probably in december i think his kind of coming out party if i remember correctly was against the pistons and blake griffin did a really nice job on blake griffin so he made a name for himself in that month of December, I think January too. And then when Ursan came back, Wilson kind of got bumped back to the bench and he didn't really get an opportunity. Urson is definitely Booneholzer's guy, and I think that frustrated some people. But they wanted more of DJ, and unfortunately they didn't get that. And maybe for good reason. I mean, the coaching staff, you got to trust them. They see these guys in practice every day. They understand the game, I think, a little bit deeper than, than we do. Um, but I think that Wilson definitely had some positive moments in his second season and his first real playing time with the Bucks. So let's just jump jump in right there. Let's start talking about his strengths and defense is really is his biggest strength. Um, his versatility he can. He can switch. He can guard probably the three, the four, and the five. You know, you, he's best at guarding the four, maybe those quicker power forwards. But he could he could adequately defend a small forward for the most part, as long as we're not talking about the elite small forwards like Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. But he can probably he can probably guard and and. And adequately defend the average to maybe slightly above average small forwards in the NBA. He could even bump down to guarding some centers too. Not the dominant centers like Embiid, not the big centers like Marcus Gasol, but but just your typical average center. He could probably slide down and, and defend that position as well. So that versatility is very helpful for Milwaukee. He can also switch on on pick and rolls, which. Milwaukee did not do a lot of last year. They did a lot of drop pick and rolls. I think that kind of became like their famous rallying cry as far as Brook Lopez dropping and coverage on those pick and rolls, on those ball screens, and. And so Wilson, his strength doesn't necessarily play into dropping, but if they ever want to go into a switching defense, which they did a lot more of in the postseason for sure, Wilson is their man. That's really where he comes into play. He has gr- his good lateral quickness for his size at 6'10", and he has good length too. You know, when he puts his arms out there, he can cover a lot of ground. So when you combine his lateral quickness, his ability to shuffle his feet, and then his length, he does a really nice job of keeping those smaller guards or the mm-hmm those smaller wings in front of him on switches and that's really where he wreaked a lot of his havoc is is keep is keeping those guys in front of him and if they did get past him he had the length and the athleticism to catch up and swat shots off the backboard I can think a couple of times in my mind where it looked like he was beat but then all of a sudden Wilson you know who works really hard that's another strength is his motor he never stops he understands his role on this team and so it looked like he was beat off a ball screen he'd recover and either contest a shot Or get his hands on a shot. He really did a nice job with that. I I should say, according to Cleaning the Glass, Wilson spent 72% of his time at power forward, 21% at center, and 6% at small forward, which that's, you know, pretty good versatility. Um, B-Ball Index gives his perimeter defense, uh, they grade that out at a C, and his interior defense is a B-plus compared to all bigs. Uh, His interior defense is a B-plus. I would say that's probably pretty accurate if I was just making up an arbitrary grading system, which is not what B-Ball Index is. They have a lot of stats and a lot of equations that go into that. Uh, The perimeter grade of a C compared to all bigs I would probably bump that up to a B plus as well I think that Wilson does a nice job like I said of moving his feet that lateral quickness is definitely there he has good length overall he's strong enough to bang with some fours he could definitely work on improving his strength hitting that weight room this summer which will definitely come I think you know in time he's only 23 years old and so he could improve his strength a little bit but he definitely doesn't necessarily always get pushed around the bigger the bigger power forwards and the bigger centers kind of have their way with him down low but his length and his athleticism helps him to recover when he gets put at a disadvantage with the strength but definitely hit the weight room this summer which i'm sure he's doing he has a good work ethic based on all accounts and you know he's really made for the modern nba with that switching so i think that is really defense is his calling card, and that's what his advocates would say for him as well. You know, those Wilson advocates, those Wilson stands, they would really say that lanky, smooth. He is just that. He's lanky. He's got good defensive chops. His basketball IQ, I think, really kind of took that next step as far as defensive on the defensive end of the court. He. I think is beginning to understand defenses at a little bit or offensive opposing offenses and a little bit deeper of a, of a level. He definitely has a ways to go, but he can kind of start to understand the simple actions that are taking place and then let his athleticism make up for the rest of it. So I think that you know he really did a nice job. Defense will will always be there for him that'll kind of be like his fallback if his offense never comes around, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, but as far as As far as Wilson's strengths go, it's definitely defense. It's definitely his versatility and his ability to defend multiple positions and his ability to switch on ball screens. Those are at the top of his game as far as, or top of his list as far as his strengths. On paper, his outside shooting looks like a strength. Uh, he made 36% of all of his threes, which ranks in the 62nd percentile, according to Cleaning the Glass, 62nd percentile among guys at his position, which is is good. Um, however, he only made 30.3% of his three-point attempts from February through April. So he really had, you know, those last two and a half months were really down for him. And maybe it coincided with the inconsistent playing time that he got in those months as well but on paper at least and we'll talk about this a little bit in this next section about his weaknesses but on paper at least the 36 percent is a really solid number that's a good start uh, especially considering that he only he really didn't take many threes last year I mean he made 40 percent but that was only two for five. So that doesn't really count. So he was 46 for 127 this season, which is a little bit bigger of a sample size, obviously. So on paper, his outside shooting also looks like a strength. All right, moving into Wilson's weaknesses. The biggest weakness that I see is just his offensive touch. His shot is very flat. It's like a laser when it comes out of his hands. He's really just got like the slingshot wind up, which is nice because he gets it high. It's hard for people to block, but he just needs to add some more, some more arc on that shot. You know, you don't want to just be lining right for the rim. That's why you'll see he has a lot of bad misses where it clanks off the back iron, and the ball just never really has a shot to go in, or he'll have some attempts where it hits the other side of the backboard and he just really isn't giving that ball a lot of opportunity to go into the net it looked a little bit better even though the numbers weren't there as far as his arc looked a little bit better in summer league but he still had some pretty bad misses and I don't know if if you can work on having more offensive touch that's one thing that I worry about Wilson is his offensive touch just like that shot is it just like an innate ability or is it something that he can work on and, and improve with practice that's definitely something that I will be curious to see is can he get that little like he just needs a little love he just needs to give the ball a little love not trying to force it in there but you know just caress it just have a nice little time with the ball you know be nice to it not just force your way into that thing so you know I we'll see if he can, if he can work on that love in the off season. I think that'll be huge because it's not just like that from the three point line. I mean, this is a dude who shot 33% from the mid range last year. He was only 57% at the rim, which shrinks in the 14th percentile. So basically he sucks around the rim. Um, his effective field goal percentage was in the 16th percentile, which, you know, we talked about his three point shooting being high up there and overall his effective field goal percentage is really low that's just not good i mean the dude is an was also an awful free throw shooter. I don't know what's going on with him. He shot fifty five point three percent from the free throw line, and he won the he won the damn Bucks free throw championship, I believe. Their little tournament of free throws. He won that, but he can't make a free throw in the game. So I wonder if it's mental, if he needs to get out of his head. I'm not sure. B ball index also gives him a grade of an F for finishing, and no, the F is not because of finishing. It's because he's really bad. Just I just worry about. Can he improve that? If he can, even like he doesn't have to be great, but just be average, you know, just be average around the rim. I think that would be go would go a long way. Right now, though, that's really hard for him to overcome. He's a complete liability on the offensive end. If you thought the floor was shrunk in the playoffs when the Bucks were facing the Raptors because Eric Bledsoe's guy didn't have to pay attention to him. They would they would completely ignore DJ Wilson as well, and then you put a big in the paint instead of just Kyle Lowry or somebody like that. And so, he really needs to work on that, especially if he wants to be a player in the postseason. If because that's where a lot of Bucks fans are calling for him is hey, put him in the postseason. The Bucs can switch. He'd be a defensive menace, which is probably true. He'd probably be pretty good on defense, but he would be he was worse on offense, and he'd be even more of a offensive liability because of his inability to score from anywhere on the floor. Um, That's really his biggest struggle. And like I said, I think his advocates would point to his overall, his three-point shooting, which, you know, it's very encouraging that he knocked down 36%. I hope that he does that or even better next year, but I just am not convinced. You know, I like I'm somebody who takes my time in evaluating players. I don't need to rush to this judgment that DJ Wilson is a missing piece for the Bucks. Not saying that other people out there do. I'm just saying that I just like to take my time and I like the proof to be in the pudding. I don't think that 48 games of mediocre basketball is enough for me to be convinced that DJ Wilson is the answer, especially on offense. You know, I just did not see enough from him. I'd like to see him take that next step and get out of the 15, 16, 14 percentiles um, and really work on loving that ball a little bit and helping, you know, caress it into the rim. I, I think that would be a huge step for Wilson if his offensive game can catch up to his defensive game. All right. Well, with that being said, let's pause right here for a little break and we'll get back right after that. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. All right. So now what we have left is to go through the best case scenario and the worst case scenario for Wilson next year. We'll start we like we like positives on this podcast. We like positives on this Bucks Film Room podcast. So let's just start with the best case scenario. So as you guys know, the Bucks are pretty deep in that front court. They got Giannis, they got Brooke Lopez, they got the Robin Lopez, and they got Ersan Ilyasova. And they got D.J. Wilson. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks add a third center. Um, they could add a potentially a third center. I know they were rumored to be in discussion or to be interested in Kova, in Kufos. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I don't know if that's just more pandering to Giannis, given that Kufos is on the. Greek team I'm not sure how that all works out but I wouldn't completely rule it out that the Bucks try to sign another big guy um, or that they do sign another big guy but still they got Giannis Brooke and Robin Lopez and Ersan so that's four guys who were who will probably be ahead of DJ Wilson in the rotation so, best case scenario here, he beats out Ursan as a backup power four. Like, that's top of the mountain for him. That's hard stuff for him to do. Ursan is Budenholzer's guy. They love him. They signed him at 12.01 a.m., a minute into free agency last year. That's Budenholzer's guy. So, if he can beat Ursan out, who is starting to lose it in his, you know, advanced age, um... That would really be a great sign for DJ if he can come out there in training camp and preseason and earn those first minutes off the bench and become the backup primary or the primary backup power for it. I think that would be huge. Uh, another best case scenario or a different one would be that the Bucks play a lot of their jumbo lineup. We saw the 76ers go absolutely bonkers and get all these big guys in the offseason. So in the Bucs, they, they messed around a little bit last year with playing three big guys on the floor with playing someone like Giannis, Ursan, and Brook Lopez together. So another best case scenario for Wilson would be that they play a lot of that jumbo lineup and they go something like Giannis, Wilson, and Brook Lopez. I think that would be a really interesting combination. It could still, if, if Wilson is hitting his threes, it could potentially still give the bucks of that floor spacing that they really enjoy and that they really look for. So, I think that would be the other part of this best case scenario is Wilson keeps his 3 point percentage at 36% or maybe even bumps it up a point or two. I think that would be awesome that would legitimize his his outside shooting from last year and that would really make me a believer. So, I think that would go a long way and and speaking of improving his shot, just improving his finishing his ability to finish around the rim just to average. I don't think we can expect him to become an above average or good or great, like just take that next step just to become an average, uh, sh- an average power forward around the rim. Also improves his free throw percentage to 70%. Like I said, he was a 55% free throw shooter last year, and it's not as if he was a bad free throw shooter in college, he made of his free throws in his junior his final year at Michigan. And so, I mean, it was only 60 attempts, but still 50 for 60 is pretty good numbers. So I don't think I'm asking for the world or predicting the world if he can just improve his free throw percentage to 70 or so and defensive ability. You know, he just continues on that path. I don't know if there's much that more that he would have to do or that they would ask him to do, but just continue to be a menace, continue to be able to guard three positions and switching on screens. I think that would really be huge for Wilson if he can just continue that and really just focus on his offensive game. And also, it'd help if Boenholzer can, like I said, can throw him a bone and play with a lot of those jumbo lineups. If all that happens, we could really be looking at you know, 70 to 80 games played for Wilson, which would just about, which would double his career games in the NBA. So I think that would be real nice for him. I should mention in their best case scenario, health. Uh, He struggled with an ankle injury in the postseason, which could have probably did contribute to his non-playing time in the the playoffs Um, and so I think that that would be another really best case scenario for Wilson is that he gets that he gets healthy and he you know is ready to play he missed a lot of the postseason he didn't make a couple of appearances against Toronto a couple against Boston and of course he played against Detroit but I think you know if he can just get that ankle healthy and and really work on his health and be able to make it through the whole grind of an NBA season without any major injuries. I think that would really be the best case scenario. Obviously, that's the best case scenario for a lot of players, but for Wilson in particular. All right, the last part is worst case scenario so cover your ears if you're a dj stan cover your ears if you have the free dj avatar I, i apologize i'm not saying that this will happen i'm not saying that i predict this to happen but i think that this is a realistic worst case scenario you know i'm not just pulling stuff out of my butt here so worst case scenario we talked about that depth. We talked about the Bucks having Giannis, who's going to take up between thirty to thirty-three minutes. Thirty-three minutes. You know, we talked about them having Brooke Lopez and Robin Lopez, who will probably combine to play forty-eight minutes of the center position. Um, we talked about urson and that being boonholzer's guy so worst case scenario is wilson gets buried on that bench again you know it's hard to sustain a front court rotation with one two three five guys you know four guys is probably enough especially you know if milwaukee just sticks to the standard lineup or even if they try to maybe play some small ball with Giannis at the five and middleton at the four i don't know if they'll do that but you know, a four man front court rotation is pretty solid. The fifth guy, like we saw last year <clears throat> with Wilson, who was the fifth guy, is really hit or miss. You know, he could see you know, he could see himself only getting some spot duty here and there for injured players and and I think that would really be the worst case scenario for him he isn't given a chance to succeed I know some people feel that's the case right now but a whole nother season of Wilson lists basketball in Milwaukee whew, there might be riots so I think that's just part of the worst case scenario is like that's one worst case scenario is he isn't able to get off that bench you know he becomes frustrated about his lack of playing time he feels like he has deserved it and then maybe that starts to carry over to the locker room. The Bucks' culture and the Bucks' good locker room juju's were something that was really talked about last year. And worst case scenario would be that Wilson gets frustrated and that gets carried over to the locker room and he's a distraction. So that would be one worst case scenario. Another worst case scenario would be if he struggles from the three point line. That would be a huge setback. If that February to April number that we talked about, which is right at or around thirty percent. If that's his reality, if that's really the three point shooter that he is, I think that would be a worst case scenario for him uh, if he's not able to sustain that thirty six percent, because then you really have a guy who's an offensive liability even more so than he is now. You know, I already. questioning whether or not that's sustainable but if that if he isn't able to keep that 36% or even if it drops to the low 30s like 31 32 33 like that's just a huge area for concern so that's really would be a worst case scenario and then he continues to struggle with this touch around the rim from the mid-range he continues to shoot 50 55% from the free throw line as well Those would all be concerns if he sustains those numbers that he did last year. He doesn't even have to get worse. Just if he sustains those numbers that he had last year, that would be the worst-case scenario for DJ Wilson. I'm not saying that any of that's going to happen. I don't want that to happen. I would love it for Wilson to really just take off and become this great contributor you know he still has two years left on his rookie deal that would be huge for the bucks if he can take that next step and add an offensive game to a consistent offensive game to his already good defense so I don't want any of that to happen but I think that's a likely worst case scenario that we need to talk about with DJ Wilson. All right. Well, that's all that I have for you today, Bucks fans. I really appreciate you guys. Thank you for tuning in to this Bucks Film Room podcast. Don't forget you can follow me on Twitter at Bucks Film Room. I hope to catch you next time.